Good morning. Um, please turn with me to John chapter 15. It's page 901 in your pew Bible. And feel free if you want to to take out your bulletin, to take out some notes this morning. Hopefully there's some helpful things in there for you. During my time in Abide back in 2014 and 2015, we were required to memorize this passage that we're going to read this morning. Um, however, I wouldn't say it, it, it wasn't until the beginning of the pandemic that something started to shift and this started to sink in in a brand new way. So my desire this morning is to um, and challenge you in somewhat, uh, in some call, Jesus' most in-depth teaching on discipleship to him. So John 15, we're going to read just verses uh, 1 through 17 this morning. This is Jesus' moments before he is uh, betrayed, arrested, unfairly tried, beaten, and then crucified. Okay, these are some of his last words that he speaks to his disciples. John 15, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word given to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown out like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I command you, or these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Father, just teach us this morning. Teach us what it looks like to abide in your Son Teach us what it looks like to obey you and your spirit um, and not to run after the things of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, as I read and as I meditate on these verses, a few questions come to mind and I want to let you enter into my brain for a moment. First, what are we called to do? Passage. Okay, pretty simple answer. We are called uh, to abide. And what will happen when we abide? We will bear fruit. And what will this fruit look like? It's pretty simple. It will look like love for one another. And lastly, and probably most importantly, why are we called to abide in Jesus? Because Jesus is the true vine. 
Remember that phrase, you'll be hearing it a lot this morning. Jesus is the true vine. We're gonna go through some of these verses just real briefly. So look back at John 15, one. John 15, one, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is, sir. Um, In preparation this week, I taught Noah this verse um, and it's absolutely adorable to hear him say this. Thought about showing a video, but I'll just tell you instead. Um, But the NIV has uh, the word gardener instead of the vine dresser, which may may make a little more sense to us. Get this, the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Hosea all refer to Israel as a vineyard, okay, as God's vineyard. And here Jesus is taking the metaphor a step further. He says that Israel is the vineyard, and he says I, meaning Jesus, I am the true vine. So remember that Jesus is the true vine. Look at verses two and three. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse three, already you are clean, or I like the translation pruned, already you are pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. So get this, if there's a branch, there's a person, not bearing fruit, it's taken away. He or she is is taken away. But if there is a branch bearing fruit, God will prune it, why? So that it may bear more fruit. And his disciples are already pruned, they're already clean because of Jesus and the words that he has spoken to. And real quick, um, this pruning process will not be fun for Jesus' followers, right? It's pruning, Um, it's a refining. It's a process of us becoming more and more who we were actually called and made to be and to get rid of everything that slows that process down. Verses four and six, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. In verse six, if you abide in me, what happens to him? He's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So we are called to abide in Jesus. Write this down if you want to. Abide literally means to stay connected to, um, or to dwell in, or to dwell with, or to remain in. The NIV says remain in instead of abide. One definition could, could be this. I love this definition. What does it mean to abide? It means to have a constant awareness of and connection to the Spirit. A constant awareness of and connection the Spirit. But why? Why abide in Jesus? Why stay connected to him? You should know the answer by now. Because Jesus is the true vine. And when this happens, we will bear fruit because we are connected to the life source. And if anyone is not connected to the life source, that is Jesus himself, it's pretty clear, death is inevitable. Jesus then makes some bold claims, starting in verse seven, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That we will bear fruit. Another question, what, what will this fruit be? 
He uses the word love eight different times in the next five verses. So I'm pretty confident to say that love is the fruit that we bear. Look at verse nine, the last verses I'll have us look at this morning. Look at verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 17, for a ninth time, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Jesus is the true vine, and we, when we abide in him, we are connected to the life source that is a person, that is Jesus, and the fruit that we bear will be love. So, a couple questions for you this morning. Do you, do you read these verses and say, man, I'm, I'm so far away from this being a reality in my life? Or do you think, I don't even know how to abide? Okay, no one other than maybe Christians use that word. That doesn't make sense to me. Or maybe you feel like I'm connected to Jesus at all. I feel like I'm connected to some um, other vine that's not Jesus. If so, and you, and you can identify with those this morning, I just want to say there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation from me. Just ask God to reveal himself to you in this very moment. And ask God to reveal to you what you are actually abiding in. What you are actually attempting to connect yourself to. I talked with several different people leading up to this sermon and I asked uh, some questions um, to both them and myself and it could be by this. I said, on our worst days, what other vines do we find ourselves attempting to abide in? Attempting to connect to? And I received many different answers as you can imagine. Um, but I could summarize them and put them into three different categories. So the rest of our time this morning, we're going to be looking at these three different vines. All right, here's the first one. The vine of security. The vine of security. The vine of security is so appealing in our culture of individualism and of greed. We desire as humans to be secure. We desire, especially myself, to have control. We desire comfort. We, we desire to be safe. However, this is a false vine that promises these things but never delivers them because we go about getting security through worldly means. Let me give us some examples to help us see if we may be connected to this vine, okay? I'm gonna give you a self-test for each vine, so follow along and see if you identify with any of these. Number one, we may be connected to the vine of security if our bank account or investment portfolio dollar amount brings us peace and comfort. Number two, we may be connected to the vine of security if when we think about a future for ourselves or children or grandchildren, we primarily think of securing a certain type of future through political means. Number three, we may be connected to the vine of security 
if we isolate ourselves from others for fear of someone finding out who we truly are. And number four, we may be connected to the vine of security if we find ourselves manipulating people and situations in control so we can feel safe and comfortable. Now, some of these deserve some more nuance. I, um, I recognize that, and I don't have time to give to that this morning. But at the core, we desire security. And it's God-given, I believe. However, money, politics, isolation, manipulation, controlling others, they won't ultimately secure our future. As some of you know, we had some excitement in our house this week, um, not in a good way. Uh, no spiked a fever on Wednesday, and he had a seizure that lasted about a minute, um, causing him to stop breathing for a moment and causing him to turn purple in the face. In that moment, as I'm holding him while he's seizing on our floor, in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, and in the hospital, you know what I wanted? I wanted security. I wanted control. I wanted to know that everything was going to be all right. Noah is completely fine now. Um, he is healthy, and he's doing well. Uh, the seizure was caused by a sudden rise in his temperature, um, and we thank you for your prayers, but I'm here to tell you, only the true vine can give us security, and Jesus is the true vine. So number one, the vine of security. Number two, the vine of pleasure. The vine of pleasure. This vine is also appealing because we live in a culture where promises of pleasure are literally everywhere. Okay, you can't turn on the TV, the radio, walk into a store without seeing, hearing promises of satisfaction everywhere. Satisfaction guaranteed, right? So another self-test to help us out to see if we're connected to this vine. Number one, we may be connected to the vine of pleasure if overeating, drinking too much, or pornography is a problem in our lives. Number two, we may be connected to the vine of pleasure if after a long day at school or work, we most often choose Netflix, ESPN, or your favorite cable news network to be entertained and to numb the pain. Number three, we may be connected to the vine of pleasure if we find it difficult to have deep and meaningful conversations and instead just want to have fun, or when in conflict, we revert to making jokes to lighten the mood. And number four, we may be connected to the vine of pleasure if certain social media posts make us jealous that we're not on that vacation or out on that date, or put another way, we have the fear of missing out. Once again, God created food, he created the idea of parties, he created entertainment, and yes, God even created our sexual desires. But get this, 
when we go about getting these good, God-given gifts on our own terms, and we choose to define what is good and what is evil based on our own understanding, we ruin ourselves, and we idolize the gifts instead of the giver. Jesus is the true vine. So number one, the vine of security. Number two, the vine of pleasure. And lastly, the vine of success. The vine of success. This vine is probably the most confusing to to differentiate um, as all of them because as the creator of VeggieTales once said, as Christians we are preached a cocktail of the gospel, the Protestant work ethic, and the American dream, end quote. Success isn't bad, but my question is, who are we letting define what success actually is? So, last self-test, if you're bored of these, I'm sorry, this last one. Okay, number one, we may be connected to the vine of success if, when asked about our kids, our first answer is always to talk about all they are doing. Number two, we may be connected to the vine of success if we find it difficult to relax or we find ourselves working on vacation. Number three, we may be connected to the vine of success if, when in competition, the worst side of us comes out. And lastly, number four, we may be connected to the vine of success if efficiency, productivity, or simply just being the best is a high priority. Simply put, I believe that success is being who you were created to be. It's bearing the image of God well. It's loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. And when these are our primary motivations, fueled by being connected to the vine, these other things, God will take care of He sees fit. Jesus is the true vine. So, what do we do? You're sitting here and you're saying, well, what do I do? Maybe you feel defeated because you identify with most of them. Um, I do too. Don't worry. That's why I wrote them down. Um, Let me share some hope and some practical tips. First, the hope is this. Jesus is the true vine and he has made a way for us to be freed, okay, and instead be connected to him. That is the good news. That is the gospel at its core, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't have to continue to abide connected to these false vines. So what do we do? Here are three things that I attempt to do on a regular basis to fight against the false vines in my own life and instead to realize the freedom that I have in Christ. Number one, the vine of security. Um, If we are running after the vine of security, Tim Chester, in his book, You Can Change, he writes that this is a lack of belief that God is great and that he is in control. Meaning, we don't believe that God is powerful. We don't believe in his sovereignty. And so to help myself remember that God is great and that I am not, not in control, every single week, my family and I attempt, attempt being the key word, we attempt to Sabbath. At some point, I would love to do an entire teaching or possibly even a series on this, but that's not today, okay? So just a few words about it. We Sabbath. We stop. We rest. 
we worship, and we delight every Sunday. Those terms are not original to me, but we stop, we rest, we worship, and we delight. This is a relatively new practice for us, and we're we're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. But the word Sabbath is the Hebrew word and it literally means to stop or to rest. So first, we stop. Um, The biggest one for me is I stop using my phone as much as I can. So if you call or if you text me on a Sunday and I don't respond, that's why. We stop buying and selling, but in our context primarily, we stop buying. Although I have to admit I really like pinkies on a Sunday night in July. Um, We stop working when I'm not up here or doing a meeting on a Sunday. I I never check my email. I try to limit all my screen time, um, but yes, I did watch the Super Bowl last Sunday. Um, We stop outside work. I don't mow the yard. I don't rake the leaves. I don't even shovel snow. We don't clean the house. We stop. Number two, we rest. We rest. I sleep in, which is difficult with two young kids. I take an afternoon nap when I can. Once again, difficult. But most importantly, we rest in Jesus' finished work. And we stop striving And we live as if new creation has come. We stop, we rest, we worship. I believe that all of life is worship, and so I spend time with my family. Noah may be up here one day, um, not doing this, but maybe singing. Um, He loves to sing, and so we sing and we dance together. We build towers and forts and play with Play-Doh. We take walks in the summer, and if it's really nice out, uh, Liz can usually convince me to take two. We go to the park. We worship our good God. We stop, we rest, and we delight. We eat a lot. We enjoy our home. We enjoy our backyard. We enjoy our friends and our family and we spend time with them and we thank God for it all. Now we can debate whether or not Sabbath um, is commanded for us as Christians still to this day living in the New Testament and the New Covenant. However, a day of rest is ingrained into the universe according to Genesis 1 and 2. And as a wise man once said, if you go against the grain, you're going. So if you find yourself attached to the vine of security, if you find yourself wanting control, stop, rest, worship, and delight in our Father. Take a Sabbath. So that's number one, the vine of security with Sabbath. Number two, the vine of pleasure. The vine of pleasure. If we are running after pleasure, once again, Chester believes that we are not believing that God is good. And therefore, we are looking for satisfaction elsewhere, outside of him and his goodness. So how do I attempt to fight against this? 
one word answer, community. Community, and you may say, well, why, why community? Um, when we seek pleasure for ourselves, it makes us very inward focused, and it causes us to retreat and to isolate ourselves. And I believe that it's really hard to be selfish in a community before someone calls you out. And so I have friends in my life who I regularly confess sin to. I also have a life group community that has been an absolute blessing for over four years now. It has been a huge encouragement to my family and I, and also a commitment for us to love and to bear their burdens as well. And so question for you this, and not a guilt trip, but do you have a community? And I'm not talking about a group of your best friends, people who are just like you um, and won't ever call you out, who are yes men and yes women, but I'm talking about a group of people who are different than you, a group of people who will challenge you to become more like Christ every single day. Um, If not, uh, a life group is a great place to start. And if that's something you're interested in, talk to Doug, talk to myself, talk to one of the elders. We need community. We need one another. You cannot one another yourself. We have the vine of security that fights back with Sabbath. We have the vine of pleasure um, that we, we realize that we're not called to only find our pleasure, but also the good of others that we find in community. And then lastly, the vine of success. The vine of success. If we are chasing success in this world, last word from Chester, he points out that we are not believing that God is gracious. And we instead believe that we need to prove ourselves to him and to one another. I'll let you peek behind the curtain. Most of you know this by now, but I'm an achiever by nature. Um, It's amazingly exhausting. Um, I am before you today wanting you to... uh, love everything that I have to say and wanting you to think that I am amazing at this. And I know that God has so much more for me than that. And so I want to be freed from it. I want the Spirit to teach me what success actually is. And so last practice or discipline to suggest this morning is the stereotypical Sunday school answer. Um, Read your Bible and pray. Scripture and prayer. My goal is that every morning before I eat, before I shower, even speak a single word out loud, or before I grab my phone and and become instantly overwhelmed by the news or the text that I have to respond to, my goal is that I will have read Scripture and spent time in silent prayer before the Father. I cannot think of a better way to be reoriented and re-centered when it comes to truly understanding what success looks like for each day. I prefer this in the morning, and I know some of you would would rather do it at night. Um, And get this, psychologists say that the two most important times for your brain are right when you go to bed and right when you wake up. About what you listen to, what you watch, what you read, what you talk about before you go to bed and when you wake up, they impact you more than any other time throughout the day. So put down your phone, turn off the TV, stop responding to emails, and pick up your Bible 
read it, and pray. I share all of this hoping that you hear my heart. I don't want you to think that I have this all figured out and that I'm trying to puff myself up. Um, And I don't want you to think that these aren't a problem for me. They are a problem for me. That's why I have to be so diligent and disciplined to fight back because I'm so immature. And there is absolutely no legalism here. I invite you to consider what it would look like to Sabbath. And it doesn't have to be on a Sunday and you don't have to do exactly what I do. Find what works for you. I encourage you to commit to some sort of community, a group of people who challenge you and you the same to them. And lastly, find yourself in prayer and the reading of scripture before anything else in the morning or the last thing you do when you go to bed. And as one teacher and pastor often says, with any new practice or discipline, quote, start where you are and not where you want to be. Don't start where you think you should be in in one, five to ten years. Start where you are right now. Maybe just put down your phone for four hours this afternoon, from lunch to dinner. Maybe just talk and pray with one friend this week about community. Maybe just set your alarm five minutes earlier all week and read a chapter a day and simply just say the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is the true vine. He is the author of life. He is the life source. And when we are connected to him, we will bear fruit. And this fruit will be love. And also, the fruit that we bear is not for ourselves. A tree does not eat its own fruit, right? A tree produces fruit for the good of others. And so the fruit that we bear is for our neighbor and for the watching world so that they may know that we are Jesus' disciples when we love one another.